Welcome to another episode of. <laughs> I don't know why that's that so much preamble. Air. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. You know, the thing is, it's been so long. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, we've had some weird, like, strange extended gaps over this in the last little bit, which yeah. we really clearly need to remedy because I'm rusty. That's the problem. So, yeah, true. I, don't, I don't even know how this goes. Uh, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> have we met? Yeah, no. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Shine Box. I believe it's called. I think it's Shine Box. I, I think so. Shine, yeah. shy, I'm shy. Gun shy box because it's <laughs> I'm, you know not, not firing on all cylinders. Uh, yeah, it's not a movie review show. It's not nah. uh, an advice show. It's nah. just a couple of brothers who love movies. Yeah, uh, who like to get together and talk about movies. Why yeah. are we getting together more and talking about movies, Tristan Ham? Um, that is a good question. Yeah. you know what? Uh, sometimes life gets in the way. We use this um, excuse a lot, though. It does. You know what? Yeah. Can Isn't we blame that it on your gear? Tired. Let's just call it gear. Yeah. Like, this is, a, we'll just make it a thing about, like, where we just, you got new gear. Yeah. Your, your new b- a board is awesome. Oh, it sounds yeah. good. It's crisp. It's clear. Yeah. It's a little Zoom device, and it um, <laughs> replaces the enormous sound mixer I had previously. But it was cool. It was cool looking. It was cool looking, but it took, like, 15 minutes just pushing random buttons to even get it to work. <laughs> no kidding. Have you tried turning it on and off? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Whereas this, this is so intuitive. Yeah. It's so plug and play. It's ridiculous. And you have like free software that you use that seems to have worked really well right from the get-go. Oh, to edit? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Audacity. Uh, 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 audacity. Audacity. Yeah, right. use that. I'm, I'm going to note that because I need to go and uh, and download it just to kind of learn it a bit better. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you a tutorial and, and what it's like. It's pretty easy. Sweet candy. Yeah, it's not a hard thing at all. Okay. Um, so, uh, what, what has been happening in Ooh. the last while? What's well, it's been a bit. It's it's been a bit. Um, you had a big adventure recently. I did. So did you? Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, I, first? yeah. Well, I I uh, I went on a work trip to Kuwait. Whoa. Yeah. And did you stop Saddam? Uh, he, okay. We got to catch up with some current. I have had some news. head injuries. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a lot of paint chips in the 90s. Don't ask me why. Yeah. But I do recall that there was a conflict. Yeah. Has that been resolved? Uh, yeah. There is, um, there's a movie that, that actually articulates exactly what happened with Saddam. Oh. It is Hot Shots Part Deux. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I thought it was um, uh, uh, South Park. Yeah. Uh, well, that one too. The movie. Yeah. The movie. <laughs> multiple yeah. multiple ways that that uh, son of a bitch really gets his. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well, so um, yeah, you're in for a, a a good a fun a fun surprise. Can I try to still forget Hot Shots Part Two? Because <laughs> I think that's worth the first one. Of course, amazing. The first one is amazing. They they got a little, it's and and it's weird to say that they got ridiculous. Uh, because of those <laughs> genre of films, yeah, but it, they got ridiculous. But this is like Mel Brooks too, right? Yeah. Like you, when you take something too too far, or yeah. like one time is great. Yeah. But it, when you're trying to stretch it out, and and again, this is not a you know a, a punch to Leslie Nielsen, but yeah. some of his work later too, like Dracula, oh, Dead, Dead Loving. Well, like that's that. Mel Brooks too. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought that was the Zucker Brothers. I'm sure. Wait a minute. Maybe Robin Hood is like. That's Mel Brooks for sure. Oh man. Okay. Well, anyway. Oh no. Now I don't know. Maybe it is Zucker. I I assume that uh, Dracula didn't love him. Well, I just I just thought it would be because the Zucker brothers used him so much. Yeah. Again, here you go. Now we're. This is how rusty we are, Tristan. I know. Our uh, our repertoire is not the best. Anyway, anyway, so we come back to Kuwait. Yeah, so uh, Kuwait was amazing. Yep, um, it was a, a phenomenal trip. Um, really good for for work and stuff like that. Yep, 
Um, but as it relates to parenting, mm. um, <laughs> the, the kids wanted two very specific things for souvenirs. Oh, uh, was in, it the skull of Saddam? It was the skull of Saddam. <laughs> right. And uh, there was a deal. No. Oh. Uh, but but um, so very specific things. And it um, Indiana, my daughter, is, is really into like bath bombs and stuff like that right, right now. <laughs> and, and Saddam loves bombs. If so, nothing else, he was a tyrant, <laughs> but he was fragrant. He smelled yeah. great. Exactly. Uh, but but I was like, oh, okay, I'll try to find you some bath bombs and stuff. And she's like, wait, wait. It's got to be local made or nothing. Oh, my God. This yeah. is like an amazing race challenge. I know. I know. And, and did so, you succeed? No, I didn't. Oh, no. Did you I buy looked... something like <laughs> fake? Like No, 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 no. Okay, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to pass off something. I, I considered it. Oh, like, I brought back real bombs. Yeah. Oh, sorry, but uh, I'm really, I'm really on this whole. Like, you uh, are the, the Gulf War. Go, please continue. <laughs> um, but uh, so I couldn't find the right kind of uh, bath bomb, so I got home and and I said, you know what, Indy, I I tried, I really tried to find it, but you know what, I didn't buy the one that uh, I saw there because it was packaged and it was like. It looked commercial. Was it artisanal? It was an artisanal. Okay, and okay. you deserve better. And she's like, oh. you made the right choice. Oh. Yeah. She would have judged you. Yeah. Was it an actual thing that you did find one or did you just make that up? No, no. I did I oh, did okay. find some like, you know, it, like I went to a mall and it was like oh. some cheap, you know, manufactured, imported. Uh, Bed, bath, and bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Local exactly. franchise. No. Okay. And uh, and so I didn't get it. And okay. then... Um, but she was okay with that. My son wanted, he's like... Uh, Scimitar. Yeah, he wanted a knife. Oh, well, this is Julian, too. He's the same. Yeah. Uh, good luck. Bring me a across. knife. Great. Well, no, and and and, and here's some of the, the misconceptions about Kuwait. Mm-hmm. Is it... Pe- the people are amazing. I'm sure of it. What's, what's wild is that, um, like, uh, there's no drinking, right? Like yes, for they've, sure. They've yep. uh, banned alcohol. Yep. Um, and, um, completely. And what's neat is that it has a kind of a catalyst effect where, you know, on the weekends, you know, in, in a lot of cities, they'll kind of double up on police and stuff. Cause people are out having a party and drinking and stuff like that. Like in a normal city? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like sure. in a regular city. Yeah. They'll, yeah, yeah. they'll kind of like. Of hooligans and like gun yeah. violence. Yeah. Yeah. So because, um, people tie one on and it gets really, you know, rough and things like that. Yeah. There was none of that. And so we were out in the like the marketplace, the really busy areas of Kuwait at like 11 o'clock at night. And there's like families and kids and it's everybody's calm and chill. And hmm. it was just like, oh, OK, this is people aren't looking to get wrecked. People aren't looking to, to go crazy. So everybody's thinking. Oh, oh, right? no, gosh. So well, like there were like trivia gangs and stuff who would be like challenge each other <laughs> no in the kidding, corners eh? like oh yeah, yeah? Uh, well in 1975 okay. uh, science and literature bitches <laughs> oh, god damn it those are my weak categories I'll cut you no kidding okay you got a sports guy no kidding no. Um, but uh, but it was neat and so there was lots of like and there was it was so chill that that like the late night places are like tea houses and yeah. stuff so you oh, go, okay. go for like a tea and things like that oh neat but it was cool um, but I couldn't find a knife for Jack <laughs> what the world would be like if it were civilized like yeah. wouldn't it be great if actually the world was like this as opposed to people yeah. pursuing like all the hedonism and sort of like material yeah. things that we typically do it's funny. Uh, so this, yeah. this uh, job I just started, my trainer is also Muslim yeah. and doesn't drink and stuff. And, and so he's, uh, I was talking to him about uh, just family things and I got like a really awesome piece of advice from him. I'm like, you're so sage. <laughs> like, what? I, I'm not a wise human uh, relative to people. But again, I think we probably busy our minds with like silly things. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah, That's yeah. really cool. Anyway, okay. so I wasn't able to reproduce a knife for Jack. Uh, I did find one, but it wasn't great. And um, and so I didn't bring him home a knife. Uh, so you really blew this whole trip yeah. in terms of like bringing back the specifics. Two things they wanted. What did I, you offset it with? Uh, well, I said to him, you know what? I um, And I this is true. Uh, one of my... Uh, the people who was really hosting us there, mm-hmm. uh, his name is Muhammad, and he, what were the chances? <laughs> yeah, he um, he's aw- such a cool guy. He's yeah. a massive music nut. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. So he's like blasting tunes every time we get in his car, which nice. is awesome. Okay, and uh, from everywhere, like which is cool. Uh, Again, and, people have time to think. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so um, uh, I set him to the to the task. I said, "Hey, my like my son wants something like a knife, but something that like." It would be like some recognizable to come from Kuwait. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt this down. I'm gonna find this for you." Okay. So the way that I talked to Jack was, I was said, "You know, I got a, a friend who's on it. He's on the case, kind of thing." At some point, Jack's gonna call me on it when I haven't heard from him. Oh uh, like, yeah. So then I he, think he got some time though. Yeah. Like he could sort of say like, "Hey, look, a it was sourced, and then yeah. b like uh, it took a while to ship. I mean, yeah. you, you've got you've got a big window here. I'd say graduation present." <laughs> We'll probably pull that off. Pretty much. All right. Yeah. Bad. What about you? Well, we went to Mexico. Yeah. So uh, Laura and I went with to Mexico with our backyard neighbors. So we had, I know this sounds, we <laughs> have people who moved in, a couple squatters. You know what? I don't know where they get the money from. I think probably just talking our stuff. Sure. Uh, Their things. Uh, we do have that one homeless guy too, a couple doors down who lives in that tent in oh, the that's backyard. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway. That, that's a backdoor hit, neighbor. That's, <laughs> he, uh, he's not, uh, wintertime, finally he's in the house. He's not yelling, you know, uh, profanities at like passer, passersby. It's like quite, quite a treat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we, we used to have neighbors in the back and they were really lovely people and they were really, really generous and they're always like super nice and we would go back and have beers and stuff. And so, mm. uh, they moved, which was tragedy because it's all like your neighbors, you know, bad neighbors, a nightmare, great neighbors, yeah. are, you know, gold. Yeah. So anyway, like <laughs> as a reference point, you know, we, our back neighbors are really, really nice. Our side neighbor to the right, when you yeah. go out the back door, uh, attempted to poison people in the past. Like she is an attempted murderer uh, who is somehow not in jail. <laughs> so again, if you had to balance the two, I'm going to go with the unpoisoning Pair. Sure. So yes. Anyway, they uh, they move to another spot, but on a whim they go to Mazatlan every single year, mm. uh, and they go down for about two three months. And uh, you know they were like, oh, you guys should come down one time. We're like, yeah, yeah, sure, let's do that. Uh, you know, kind of like you know it'd be nice to, but we yeah. never really put too much thought to it. And then one day they actually called us on it. They were like, hey, look, we're going down. Everything's booked. These are the dates. When are you coming? Ooh. And Laura's like, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, so she went to the the old computes, used some uh, Avion points on the visa. Uh, and then boom, we, we basically got flights down. So, uh, you know what? It was lovely. It's not super humid. It's not super hot, which is nice. So, you know, nice warm days, but then in the evenings it kind of cools off a little bit so you can sleep. Yeah. Uh, so this had its charms. Uh, a few, <laughs> few things that were a little bit kooky about it. So we didn't, we didn't have to pay for accommodations, which was lovely. So awesome. we, we off, we, you know, offset this by like buying meals or yeah. buying groceries and stuff. So we, we, we did pay our way, but in a kind of a different way, but our bed was two bunk beds, uh, one single and then one double down below. And we thought, yeah. ah, you know what? We're going to tough this out. Like we're going to we're going to snuggle and, you know, sure. do, do a couple of things in that little double down below. How now, long? One, one, night, <laughs> one night I'm just like, Ooh, 
and yeah. like just you know we have a king at home and this was just like you know every movement was like shit yeah anyway too yeah. much so eventually we decided to go our separate ways uh and that that made a world of difference like it finally you know i'm not allowed to move around in the bed at the best of times yeah because laura's like a starfish she's everywhere <laughs> it's just like yeah it's land. So yeah. anyway, uh, there was that thing that was not was not the ideal part, but I mean, we still slept pretty good. Yeah. Um, second thing is, um, John is the name of the the fellow that we went down with, and his uh, wife's name is Rhonda. Mm-hmm. Uh, John is sixty three yeah. and has one functional knee. Uh, oh, the other knee is like just kind of a, it's a bit of a wreck. <laughs> and his friends that are down there are much older than he is. Oh. Like they're in their 70s and 80s. Yeah. So everything is about like, I saved 10 pesos and like, <laughs> I had soup. <laughs> like, I know where happy hour is because when you're on a fixed income, I totally get this, but you're trying to stretch your time on oh, the yeah, side yeah. as long as you can. Sure. But honestly, like they're just like going through coupons and shit. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, because normally... Unlike Kuwait, yeah. I'm there to booze and I'm yeah. there to like be in the sun and like sure. eat food and like be a goon. Mexico. A goon. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was a lot more like playing crib and like <laughs> going to the same place that had the best happy hour every single day, which yeah. again, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible at all. It was actually really, really fun, Yeah. but it was very rigid. Like it yeah. was like, here's what we're doing today. This is where we're off to. This is where the best meal is. This is what we're going to do. Um, which meant that Laura and I didn't actually spend that much time as a couple. Yeah. Uh, what we would normally do around like nine o'clock or eight thirty or whatever, just retreat. Yeah. Like head off to our bunks. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, you know, and then we would throw on some Netflix individually and like just watch stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, of course, we still like you know snuggled and stuff, but it was just like it was just different. Yeah. So anyway, there was ten days of that. It was perfect amount of time. It was lovely to be there. They're tremendous hosts. Honestly, had a really really fun time and totally shut off. Yeah. So wasn't thinking about anything. Uh, I've had changes in work, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that change has been a little bit, uh, taking some time to kind of wrap my head around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, side story, uh, on Friday, I talked to a gentleman at another company who was like, hey, uh, I've got a position open at a company where you could be a marketing manager in Edmonton uh, and do this completely regionally. And you could line up a bunch of stuff. You'd be one of three marketers. We're launching a new product right away. There's a whole bunch of like activity that would be there. I was like, ah, I was fucking raging but at the same time my current manager totally took a chance on me she's super super awesome my team is really awesome the company is really good the product's really good i'm just like i don't ever want to be that guy who someone takes a chance on and then you screw them over like that i was like no bad 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 karma so i'm like you know what this is very flattering i'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk about it uh, but 100% cannot do it and so i just uh uh, sort of sent in a thing today yeah you know and and Interestingly, and sorry, this is the last thing I'll sort of talk about myself about, but um, one of the pieces of advice I got when when my previous role kind of wrapped up was, Mm -hmm. don't take the first thing you get. Yeah. And that sounds great in theory. Yeah. But when you are in free fall... And you're just like, ah! <laughs> any lifeline is incredibly valuable. And I'm don't, one don't of those... take the first parachute. No, <laughs> no, no it turns out to be a spare tire. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Bugs Bunny. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, and I did. I, I mean, this wasn't necessarily the first thing. Um, it was yeah. one I, I chose specifically. I knew the company that I wanted to work for, mm-hmm. and in my mind, this was like kind of a great way to get back to where I wanted to be. Yeah. But uh, but in, in hindsight, you know, again, had I like maybe waited or something, maybe it would have been an opportunity I would have been definitely very interested in. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's how the cookie crumbles. What a bummer. Yeah. No, no, no. Not a bummer at all. Honestly, like I say, my manager's amazing. The people I work with are amazing. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, it's just like 
this was just such a nice fit. And those roles not ever, ever, ever come up. Like, it's yeah. complete unicorn. So, uh, there it is. Oh, wow. Fire out, man. So, let's talk about the movie. Sure. All right. So Talking about jobs and job prospects, leaving a career. I guess, like, trying to pull out of a career. Yeah. Sure. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think he ever really does leave it behind? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Seems it's, to me like she would have kind of accepted him now at this point, where he probably could have just freelanced or done whatever. Well, I don't know. It, like, he lost his passion for it. It's not that he was going to continue with it and she needed to accept it. Like, he was he was going to leave it regardless. Well, do you think that maybe now that he had something in his life, because, well, anyway, before we get too far down the road yeah. on this, what's the movie? Gross Point Blank. Yay! Yes! So, in continuing with our John Cusack theme, we started with Better Off Dead yeah. uh, many moons ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we sort of said, like, hey, January's going to be Cusack month. Yeah. Well, January 2025, here we are. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Um, yeah. So, tell me a bit about this film before we sort of get into the specifics of it. <clears throat> What, what does this film mean to you? Like, what, what is it that you appreciate about it? You know what? He, he personified, when I saw this growing up, mm-hmm. he was so cool yeah. in this. Like, he was, he always had a comeback. He had, like, this, this like, constant ongoing stream of, like, amazing, you know, thoughts and, mm-hmm. and reactions and comments to the world around him. And he looked cool. He, I've never known John Cusack to do a, uh, like, a real action film. Yep. You know, before Connor? this was it was well, Connor before kind this? of. Okay, he had some actiony bits in it, but he was never not the physically focus. imposing. Yeah, kind of thing. Like, like I think he gets off one punch or something. But here, he's a trained killer. Right. So he's he's very physical and methodical. And um, there is a couple of scenes where he gets into like a big physical fight, and he handles himself really well. That's pretty good. Like, yeah, you know, I don't think fight choreography is for everyone. Some yeah. people can pull it off better than others. I think he makes it look really natural. I think he looks yeah. like a guy who is probably a fighter who's been in some tough spots. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's a kung fu master. Yeah. But he does. He's got some moves. It is. It's all utility. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I like. Like, it's not, there's no real flash. Yeah. Like, uh, like we'll talk about the high school against the, um, the fucking mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Poo God. Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he does look like a mannequin, like a burnt, waxy. He does. Like if Madame Tussauds came alive and yeah. just like. He's like a, like a younger male version of Jennifer Coolidge. Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if you took like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and like the two wax figures make this little weird shrimpy guy. Yeah. Okay. With that hairline. Oh, um, so, um, yeah, my, my whole thought about this film is just like John is cool. Mm-hmm. And and I love the way that he handled himself. And I never, when I was young watching it, I didn't pick up more on the uh, neurosis and the subtle like the whole relationship with his uh, psychiatrist oh. is so brilliant. Alan Arkin just like oh my god, does it get any better? He's no, fucking, no, it's genius. All of his throwaway stuff is so good, so like, good. So we sh- again maybe for a Christmas thing we should watch Edward's, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, uh, but just again he's such an awesome character actor. Please continue. Yeah, uh, not much more about the film itself. Just that I loved it. I, again, I recognize seeing it now. Uh, I get to rec- like really appreciate the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Is awesome. Um, and a lot of the the subtleties and the and Dan Aykroyd, I didn't appreciate Dan Aykroyd enough. No, and he's awesome in this. <laughs> he's really good. So fun. You know, I think about him is I think he often gets kind of shoehorned into these kind of silly roles yeah. many times. Yeah. Uh, but when he gets to play dark, oh, that's wow. such a nice job of it. Like maybe seriously, that's, that's something about the really good comedy guys. You know, kind of grow up in comedy and do like lots of different roles, and probably, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're throwing sketch after sketch after sketch, yeah, even your average chops become pretty good. 
yeah. uh, and stuff that's not right in your wheelhouse, I think. Well, that's and he, and he was always like he's the talker, he's the logic one. Oh, and, he's the basomatic guy, right? Yeah. But like, this is like the basomatic guy when if he like, you know, can't sell anything and decides, fuck it, I'm going to take people's lives. And yeah. Then, then you'll take me seriously. Seriously. Yeah. It, he's so good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just this film is always I've really always enjoyed this film. You know. Um. And and I think like early I kind of got like bits mixed up with like uh, grifters a little bit. Oh yeah. You know, just thinking about him and like, oh, oh, when is he, you know, when's he going to have to escape Bobo or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, wrong film. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, I've just, I've, I've, I've had nothing but love of revisiting this film again. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. we did watch it a couple times to kind of yeah. like make sure that we captured it all. Yeah. Uh, my question for you is, yes. is this Lane Meyer when he grew up? Oh, that'd be interesting, actually. Because... There's a confidence thing that kind of happens to Lane, right? Like he's, yeah. he's sort of a he's sort of a drift, mm-hmm. uh, but once he gets sort of a, a sense of achievement, yeah, his whole world opens up. That's right. And I often felt like when I was a kid, I was like, because uh, there were definitely films that John Cusack did between you know uh, Better Off Dead and this, yeah. But at the in the interim, I was like, this is like if Lane like really narrowed in on stuff. Like you know, yeah. his dad really criticized him for being kind of like without a purpose or without any drive. That's right. yeah. And imagine he actually did get the drive. This yeah. is how I kind of had figured like if Lane Myers had become he he could have been sort of a similar similar pathway. Yeah. Cuz he's got that Kuzak cool. Uh he's so poised, he's so yeah. composed and even when he was young Lane Myers was like playing that role. I'm like, "Huh. Yeah. This this guy is not your average, you know, young person doing a, a role yeah. like this." The one thing that threw me about this movie, though, was uh, it's 10 years after their high school reunion. Yeah. And, I mean, if he's supposed to be 28 or 29, no fucking way. Yeah. Like, I, I remember being that age. I didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground. I, I, a killer? Like, yeah. assassin who's been out in the field for years? <laughs> like, when did he start? Like, he graduated at 14? Like, it makes no sense. And seriously, like, yeah, that's a good point, actually, is looking at, especially the reunion yeah. and everybody at the reunion, I, I would say looking at not just him, but everyone, um, I would 30s. say like, this is like, no, there's there's no way. They're in their 40s. Yeah. Like this is a 20 or 30 year reunion. Yeah. Because some guys are like, you know, they own a dealership. <laughs> or poor like, Piven too. Like oh his hairline just. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. He's poor, hilarious. Yeah. He's very good. But uh, there's a guy who looks old all the time. Like I know. Even when he was probably like. 15 he probably looked like he was like chain smoking and like <laughs> three times divorced right like just yeah. but yeah so so that yeah it's hard to believe that these these folks are all like in their 20s yeah there's no way but whatever i mean yeah suspension of disbelief aside it's yeah. pretty pretty cool premise yeah great film yeah uh and yeah he just he makes this film he's fantastic i'm trying to think of how we would bring in um or think about lane so if he was in like maybe year 11 when he met Monique right, and that kind of, she had to go back, I imagine. She so, couldn't stay there forever. Well, well, he's in high school, right? Obviously yeah. he didn't graduate from Gross Point. Yeah. But, but same thing. Like, so, you know, th- this happens all the time. You have like high school girlfriend, yeah. kind of changes your life, opens up sort of a pathway for you in your mind. Yeah. Maybe they break up and that's what forces him to like move to Gross Point. Well, no, no, because uh, he meets Minnie Driver. They're a couple in... Uh, it is Minnie Driver, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 In, in year 12. Right. So what I'm saying is grade yeah. 11, he breaks up with Monique. Yeah. They have to move because the breakup's so bad. Moves oh. to Michigan. Then in Michigan, you know, this yeah. thing, this pattern continues. He's like, wait, I just keep getting driven more and more away from like trying to be a family guy. Yeah. Uh, but I seem to be really good when I've got a task in hand. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a master skier now. 
Yeah. Uh, turns out he's got all kinds of like special skills that he can just <laughs> adapt to by being shown by the French or females. So that's you it. Know, it's, it's a particular set of skills. From there. That's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> all right. So are you going to do synopsis or what's the what's the? Yeah, I'll get into it. All right. All right I'll do the synopsis here, right. but give me a give me a time frame here. Let's make it realistic. Okay. Well, we've probably already blown <laughs> most of the podcast just on yeah. like preamble, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Actually, it was just nice yeah. to catch up. So yeah. uh, I'm going to give you a sweet, sweet three minutes. I love it. Let's do it. Set the timer. Come with me now to gross point blank. Oh my God. Get moving. The camera opens Uh, on John in a hotel room. Right. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we we get to see right away uh, him looking super young, but he's, um, yeah, he's at work. He's an assassin. So he's got a gun uh, out of a, a hotel room. It's pointed down at a sidewalk. Uh, and he's got an earpiece as well. And someone is chit-chatting with him. Oh, yeah. And this is fun, too, that he, yeah. his sister's in it with him. Yeah. So Joan Cusack plays his assistant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's great. Yeah. She's absolutely wonderful. Lovely. Yeah. And she's um, she's chatting away, uh, you know, uh, to him about certain things. And I think one thing that comes up is that he's got a letter uh, from his school, um, inviting him back to the ten year reunion. Right. So he's he's like, no, throw it away, rip it up, throw it away. Yep. And and uh, it's their their back and forth is so good. Yeah, like you I know? mean, you're right. They're sort of mixing back and forth between like his travel arrangements for the next job that he's got to do, yeah. and sort of making sure that the right amount of ammunition has been done, and that certain plans are being made. Yeah. And she's just kind of interspersing it in. This yeah. is someone who knows her employer extremely well. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. you could you could tell. Like, they've got a, a nice back and forth besides the fact that they're brother and sister. Yeah. The director of this film, George Armitage, mm-hmm. uh, has a really dubious history. Like, one What thing, do you mean? Well, I just mean, <laughs> uh, this is kind of a way outside film for him. Like, he's got yeah. Miami Blues is one of them. So it's an earlier film, obviously, uh, 1990. Yeah. Uh, but his really early stuff is stuff like uh, Hot Rod. Uh, or night call nurses oh boy. or <laughs> private duty nurses. And they're like, he frequently worked with Roger Corman. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if it's all supposed to be TNA and kind of like uh, schlocky stuff. Yeah. Where did this movie come from? Like, how did he land this property? Seriously. And uh, with some, some really up and coming names. Yeah. Um, some well-established actors in it. I have no idea. Like, how did he land this? I, I wonder if someone, you know. No one wanted to pick it up, you know, but then suddenly, like, people start reading the script. It yeah. gets really, really good. And he's like, goes to the studio and just says, hey, please just give me a chance. Yeah. Like, I can do something really cool with this. Yeah. And maybe it's just someone, like, knows the guy and thought, I believe in him. Yeah. But at any rate, it, it, I just wanted to sort of point out, like, yeah. if someone had a track record of a lot of similar films like this, you're like, oh, this is really good. This is really good. And Miami Blues is actually a pretty decent film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, I sort of feel like this is a bit of a... Like, it's a cult classic for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, but sort of stands out amongst any of his other work, truthfully. Like, just, oh, it's yeah. So it's unique. well out of your left field. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, that's just a little side. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, I got plenty of time. I got three minutes. Okay, good. So, uh, uh, so we see uh, good old uh, um, John Cusack. He's, um, yep. What, what's his name? Something blank. It's uh, John Blank. Martin. Martin, Martin Blank. Yeah. Sorry. Martin Blank. <laughs> John Blank. It's going to be a good one, folks. Yeah. A barn burner. Uh, so <laughs> he's he's zooming down, and he can see um, two guards leading out 
a uh, someone very important yeah. in between them. They're looking for um, you know possible threats and stuff like that. Right. So he's got his gun trained on this guy. But then he scoots over and you can see a cyclist. Yep. And the cyclist is going and then the cyclist pulls out a gun. Uh, obviously an, another assassin right. about to kill this important man. So then um, John um, pumps a couple of bullets into the cyclist yep. and takes him down. The, crisis um, averted. Crisis averted. I think the um, the guards, the, the bike is still going. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The guy comes off, bike's still moving. The two guys yeah. collapse on the, the person they were trying to protect. Yeah. And again, it looks like, you know, mission accomplished. Yeah. And so that's what he was paid to do, was to avert this uh, assassination. So yep. he starts packing away his gun, all the while talking to Joan, kind of thing. And then we cut down to the street. <laughs> this other doorman steps out. This doorman steps out. It's Dan Aykroyd, and he's got a couple of guns. And he just starts unloading he, on these guys. Fuck. Like, honestly, there's probably like tw- more than normal six rounds per gun. <laughs> like, there must be about 15 rounds that go into them. And he's just like... Loving you can it. see his like yeah. joy in his face about doing it, yeah. And just kind of dumps the guns. Uh, yeah. I don't remember recalling gloves. Like he's probably like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, that's it. And he manages to undo all of Martin's good work. Yeah. So Martin Martin jumps up to the window because yep. uh, they can hear this on the call. Yep. And he looks down and he sees what happens and he recognizes him. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and so um, yeah, he he knows that that's blown. Uh, so he starts packing up and things like that. Yeah. Um, calls Marcella. This is uh, John Cusack's character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he gets to a safe location, calls Marcella and says, hey, look, you know, what the hell? And she's like, oh, you know what? You got a very angry client. Yeah. Uh, things did go very well. He's like, well, I did my part. It was one kill. I wasn't paid to do two. Yeah. And then what the hell was Grocer doing here? So, you yeah. know, Grocer's this guy. Yeah. Obviously, like you say, he's aware of him. And of course, uh, you know, then he's like, oh, well, Grocer's on the phone. He wants to talk to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> he's like, well, just, just, oh, yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm at the Danube. I'm like, I'm not anywhere near. I'm in yeah. Budapest. He's Budapest. like, oh, cool. Yeah. I can see you right from over there. Mind if we uh, pull up and have a little tete a tete? And just. <laughs> Interestingly, and I think this is a really fun nuance, they, yeah. they're always driving around in these big Lincolns, like these big oh, yeah. mafia cars. Like I, yeah. I always think like, okay, well, certain certain tropes kind of exist, right? Like, you yeah. know, obviously not the big SUV, like I think like, uh, uh, I don't know, like governments, for example, yeah. always have like big, you know, or uh, sometimes gangs have these like big Lincoln navigators. Yeah. But these guys like just fun old like Crown Victorias. <laughs> yeah. This, dad had that car. <laughs> Like a big brown shit car like yeah. that. I love uh, how nervous they are when like they're looking at each other. They totally. get out of the car. They're like, there's obviously a gun there, but they never reveal. It's yeah. always just this back and forth. You do see it at the diner. They do kind of pop it out. Uh, a little that's bit. true. That's but true. but you're right. Like it's always like it's implied. Like yeah. for sure. Don't fuck with me. I'll fuck with you. Kind of yeah. thing. And but yet they shake hands and it's all pretty cordial. Oh yeah. And so Dan Aykroyd wants John Cusack to join a union that he's building, yeah. essentially, to protect hitmen like benefits and stuff yeah. like that. Work less, make more. <laughs> 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 and, and he's kind of making a point too. He's saying, you know, a lot more assassins are coming into the world, and you yeah, know, they're getting able to get people cheaper. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know what? Uh, why not consolidate and then do more bargaining? Yeah. Uh, Martin doesn't have any interest in this whatsoever. No, I mean, no, no. he likes the idea of being on his own. I don't think he likes the idea of having to listen to grocer in the first place no, like you, no. you can tell he's kind of an asshole uh so yeah anyway they kind of have a bit of exchange but martin basically blows him off yeah yeah he's, he's just like nope thanks i'm good i'm good and um yeah you know uh good old uh, uh Ackroyd won't take no for an answer yeah. so he's like well I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later yeah you know we'll, we'll talk again and then they start threatening each other yeah <laughs> like you ponder okay either way i'm gonna get you kid bing 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 bang popcorn <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he's like i'm gonna get you he's like get 
get lost, get back, get banned. Yeah. Like, it's, got, it's, got, it's got weird throwaways. I kept thinking, like, I need to research what this means. Like, what what's that dialogue look like? Or is yeah. it just sort of riffing? Yeah. And I wonder how much of this was just improv, right? Oh, that's true, hey? Except, except for popcorn. Yeah. Because obviously that plays a lead into it. And so I had to go look this up. I was yeah. like, okay, what is that supposed to be? Like, bing, 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 bang, popcorn. Yeah. And it's just, it's supposed to be gunfire, right? Yeah. Popcorn being the kill shot. Okay. Yeah. That's so, so because, because a popcorn kernel, like, <laughs> spots, spots out. So I was like, oh, oh. I, like I, a head mushroom. Well, it's funny because yeah. I was making popcorn for the kids the other day. I was like, oh, yeah. these are all just heads popping. It's like, mm, kind of turned me off a little bit. Anyway, keep going. So, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so he um, uh, he gets away from there, but has to go to another job. Well, he has to go back to his office first. He goes back to his office yeah, yeah. first. Yeah, and um, they have uh, kind of a back and forth, and, and she's really worried because yeah. the... Um, the, the the group is not happy. They need the job to be done, and so um, well I, he's going. He's got this other trip to Miami though. Yeah. Like, so, but but she one thing she really sort of says to him, and this is maybe the theme of the whole thing is, you know, you don't seem like your old self lately. Yeah. There was obviously a time when Martin was happy doing his work, very proficient at what he was doing. Yeah. Didn't have these sort of professional setbacks, or you know, didn't let little things get to him, whatever yeah. that might look like. But you can tell that something has changed, and this is this is kind of nice, and it. Another thing about the reunion is there's a catalyst, right? Like, yeah. One, one thing. Have you? Did you go to any of your reunions? Did you ever do this? Um, I went to my college reunion. Okay. Yeah. You? How was it? Uh, it was weird. Yeah. You know, especially because it was like for acting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so, but that's it. But the thing is, it's exhausting being around actors. Anyway. Oh, because they're up, 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 and oh you're just God, like, yeah. uh, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I just did this. No, no, it was nothing. But you should see it. Uh, yeah, it would be a lot. I could definitely see that. That would be you know quite a bit of work for sure. I, I never went to my high school ones, yeah. and I think your your college one is different, right? Like because yeah. you were with a class, and the class yeah, moves yeah. through everything together. <laughs> so right. bond is a group. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I yeah. I've had like two, like a ten year and a twenty year high school reunion. Yeah. I'm sure they're all lovely people, but I ha- no. if I didn't stay friends with them before, yeah, probably would not be friends with them now. And I don't need to go and like sift through people's like yeah, trash. Garbage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks, no thanks. Well, and I, I went to three different high schools. That's true too. too. So, well, because of the you know different murder rap, so you had the to murder rap <laughs> as the Incredible Hulk. You know, you have to stay on the move, <laughs> or else you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that reporter's gonna get you. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah I gotta keep moving. That's right. Dr. Banton. Oh, why did they? No, Bruce David Banton. Banner. David Banner. Yeah, no, it was still yeah. Banner, but like, yeah. why not Bruce? Like, is it too much alliteration? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Television, why are you why messing television? with things that don't need to be messed with? That's right. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, he um, he talks about being really stressed out with yeah. Joan. She keeps pushing the reunion. Yeah. And he's like, why? 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 What's this? Why are you so obsessed with this? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, what was the line? I think it's amusing that you came from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I think it's kind of true, right? I know. Like, I where do assassins it. come from? Yeah. Do, we, do we even know any secret assassins now? Like, if, if you think of all of your friends when you were going through either high school or theater, oh, who's God. an assassin now that you haven't stayed in contact with? Oh, I I don't know who, who would be an assassin. I would have said my friend Chris Van Hive. Okay. But um, I don't think he's an assassin. What about <laughs> one of the Despins? Or both of them? Oh. Like, just kind of like... Twin, twin killers? <laughs> I, I can see it. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I hope they listen to the show. Maybe they can call and let us know what they're up to. <gasps> Ooh, could be assassins. Oh. Um, so so she keeps harping on about it, uh, but he's got to go do this job. Yeah. Uh, and I think he goes to Miami before he sees his doctor. Well, yeah, he goes to Miami, and this is where he's doing all. Yeah, he goes to the doctor later. Yeah. 
for sure. And um, so he's 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 meant to go and assassinate this one individual, but he has to make it look like an accident, like right. a heart attack, rather. Yep. And so um, we see him setting up. It's a really cool rig mm-hmm. that he's got this. It's basically he's um, in the floor above. Uh, he's right above the guy's bed. And he drops down a camera so he can see the guy. He's already mapped out and studied the sleeping patterns. He then hooks up this rig that has this piece of thread that goes down towards the guy's mouth. And then he's got this, like, injection device to drop down the poison. Right. I think it's really cool. And he Mm. takes a while to set it up and Mm -hmm. looks really neat. Uh, But he depresses the plunger and the uh, poison goes down the thread. And just at the last second, the guy... Shifts his head, right? And but the droplets wake him up. Yep. And so it's so good. You got like John Cusack going, "Fuck it!" He just goes, kicks the door down, yeah. runs downstairs, kicks in the door, and just shoots the guy. Well, the thing is, he's still got a job to finish, right? Yeah. But I mean, it's absolutely not what he was hired to do. So, no. so then again, so we're back to his office, and yeah. he's in lots of trouble. And oh you know, yeah, Marcelo's basically saying like, "Now you need to make up for this. You need to take another job." Yeah. Uh, so he basically has to take this job, and the coincidence of it all is it's right in the same town as his, his high school reunion. Yeah. So he's committed to it. He's got to go. His flight's all booked. Takes off. But before yeah. he goes, before he then goes. he has to go talk to his therapist. So, oh my god. Yeah. And this interaction, this relationship, is so amazing. Yeah. Because um, he's he's in the chair. He's he's talking about dreams and and things like that. And eventually, you see Alan Arkin, and he's like, <laughs> "What is?" It's like. I'm not your therapist. <laughs> like, you, you. I ended this relationship the instant you told me what you did for a living. That's like two sessions in. Yeah. Why do you keep coming here? <laughs> I feel like I, I fear for my life. I feel like if if I don't answer that call, you're gonna kill me. Yeah. He's like, no. He's like, he's and, well, because Martin's saying like, I'm serious yeah. about the process, and he's like, yeah. Also, I know where you live. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, that's not too subtle. Like, yeah. yeah. Just, and yeah. he's like, well, hey, I've read your book. And he's like, well, it was ghostwritten, Martin. Like, it's <laughs> so funny. Just everything's out there just to get him out of here, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he's like, well, what, what what do normal people do? Like, what do we do? We talk about our dreams? He's like, yeah, dreams. You can talk about your dreams. He's like, yeah. Well, I keep dreaming about Debbie. It's like, you know, uh, she's like the, the Energizer Rabbit. Yeah. And I keep seeing her over and over. And he's like, well, this is depressing because an Energizer Rabbit, and, and this I think is actually telling. Yeah. It has no brain. It has no blood. It has no anima. Yeah. So I think in some ways where Martin right now has compartmentalized so much of his feeling and his oh, thinking yeah. into a, a, a box yeah. that in many ways he's that energizer rabbit, right? Like he's, yeah. and, and again. He's utility. He's. Well, this is it. And the other thing too, and we'll talk about this when we get to a little bit more, is more than once in the film, at least two times, maybe three. Yeah. He says, it's not me. Yeah. So he's very much sort of really taken who he is and where his core is, his anima, yeah. and displaced it. Well, yeah. So for sure, I mean, when he's talking about this, the mechanical rabbit is 100% oh, yeah. Martin in this. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Like, he, it's not me. He is. He reacts to yeah. things. He thinks that things just happen to him, and he just happens to come out on top. Yeah. But uh, he doesn't realize his role in it. So he does get the advice finally from the doctor who says, yeah. you know what, uh, go go to the family reunion. He's like, okay, fine, I'll give it a shot. He's like, no, no, don't shoot anything. Just, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it's, it's so funny. Like, it's I mean, it's so good. I know it's it, they're kind of cheap lines, but yeah. you know, I think again the way that Arkin can do it. Oh yeah, can make it seem pretty seamless. So that's it. Anyway, off to Grocer. Grocer is at his computer. Yeah, and he just finds out that his deal to get this assassination oh, yeah. in Detroit is canceled. Yeah, and he is pissed. Yeah. So it's, it's fun, actually. I wouldn't have known this at all for context, except for having watched Dexter. Yeah. And you look at his 
where he is, and it's all plastic sheets. Oh, no, from. it's a kill room. <laughs> <a> kill room. <laughs> totally. <laughs> he must bring people back there to, like, fucking murder them. But oh anyway, he's on his computer. Uh, yeah. He's got his kill room set up, and basically yeah. he, he now loses his job, and he's already, like, not happy with Martin for yeah. not joining his cabal. Yeah. Uh, so now he decides to call the feds on him. Yeah. And so Grocer calls the feds to go and meet him based on the job. So he's going, the feds are going to Detroit. Yeah. Gross is going to Detroit to oversee the whole thing. And in fact, he's even pulling in his own guys yeah. to kind of seal the deal. He's leaving nothing to chance. Martin is either going to join yeah. or he's going to die. And Martin's already got a file with the FBI. Yep. So they actually know a fair bit about him. And so this is a perfect opportunity. Yeah. What? What a weasel grocer is. He's so funny. <laughs> he is great. Uh, uh, so anyway, Martin's driving back to Detroit. Yeah. Uh, and you commented earlier on the soundtrack. The soundtrack is, is uh, really great. So, so uh, Joe Strummer uh, of The Clash is yeah. the person who was sort of the musical consultant for all of it. <laughs> He's pretty shameless about leaning into his own catalog a little bit here and there. <laughs> and it's all sort of reggae based and, uh, you know, a lot of kind of uh, stuff in his, in his wheelhouse. Like, yeah. uh, like uh, Joe Strum and the Mescaleros, for example. So yeah. anyway, it is. It's a really good soundtrack. And so uh, as it turns out, uh, Debbie, the yeah. girl that Martin has been obsessed with, this Energizer bunny girl, yeah. uh, is a DJ at a local radio station. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets to, he he tunes into her. Uh, just on the right end, yep. uh, kind of thing, and um, so yeah, he um, he doesn't go. He, he kind of stops by the radio station. I think he goes in at this point. No, he just kind of passes by it at yeah. first, like just kind of sights it down. First place he actually goes to is his school. Ah, yeah. Well, we actually we get to see the feds uh, tailing him first. True, true. Yeah, which is uh, Hank Azaria and a guy named uh, K. Todd Freeman, uh, and they have. Awesome chemistry. They're really funny. They do. But yeah. Hank Azaria, like, so what do you know about Hank Azaria before this other than The Simpsons? Oh, my God. Like, um, and I guess he was probably doing it during, but like Birdcage. Yep. Was it But before this? Oh, this. Yeah, before this movie. Like, because this is the first time I'm actually seeing Hank Azaria do, do anything in my yeah. mind, rec- like, to recall him. Yeah. And he's great. Like, honestly, yeah. like, and I've, I've mentioned this previously, but Scarlett and I watch a ton of Simpsons. Oh, yeah. And you just, you listen to how versatile that guy is. Like, oh, my God. He's crazy good. I mean, whatever his other, like, stuff might be. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, like, a very good actor. I really yeah. enjoy watching him. Anyway, he is. He's, good. he's a talented kid. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we know he's being tracked by two FBI agents. Yep. So, yes, he leaves and he goes to... Um, School. School. He goes to school, and it happens to run into a teacher he recognizes. Mrs. K. So the big thing here is that um, during uh, the the night of prom, he disappeared. Yep. He left. And it rocked the school a little bit, especially Debbie. But um, he just disappeared. And we get to find out where he went and kind of why. A little bit. But, um, but he's so, sort of an anomaly because people were like, yeah. and especially this kind of gets played out a little bit with his teacher where yeah. she's like, so what did you do? Like, she was yeah. like, uh, she's like, you look like a mortician. Uh, like, <laughs> what happened? And th- more yeah. th- and again, he does this more than once. Yeah. But he actually comes clean with yeah. what he does. He's just like, you know what? I uh, got into the military. Yeah. Went a certain direction. And I don't think he actually says to her killer for hire. No, he, he just... But he definitely tells other people. Like, he, he sort of alludes to where he's going. Yeah. And I eventually just sort of says, like, fuck it. No one's taking me seriously when I tell them anyway. Yeah. And he does. He outright tells people. Yeah. Oh, which is so good. And uh, she's got a good couple of lines, too. Um, oh, shit. I can't remember. He was just, like, more than anyone, he was able to um, uh, look like 
that he was excited to see her or something like that. Yeah, or, the only one yeah. he could pull off like that he was lying about it. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, oh yeah, you still have that Mary Tyler Moore thing going on. Like, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty good. They have a really fun dialogue, actually. That must have yeah. been, um, yeah, that, I don't know, the character actress that did that role. She, yeah. She was pretty good. It was good. Yeah. So he leaves that and he decides to go home, I think. He does. He actually tells her too. She's yeah. like, hey, yeah, she's like, where, where are you going? He's like, I'm going home. And she's like, are you? <laughs> and she's like, take care, Martin. Yeah. Uh, so she knows, obviously, oh, about yeah. his child. I don't. Why do people know about his childhood home? Like, was he such a Sasquatch that people have been like on the Martin probably watch for like so many years? Oh, there'd be a podcast dedicated to him. Well, there is now. There is now. <laughs> yeah, but there would have been. You Pro- know, probably at the time. Yeah, if there was modern. Yeah, sure. Oh, absolutely. It would have been. He would have been the anomaly. Yeah. You know, more than anyone, they would. That would be kind of the mystery of that class. People would have already assumed that he was like a hired assassin. Like there would have been this theory that, that had already been played out. So, if there were a yeah. podcast because then, you know, communities get involved and then you know, they'll piece little oh, bits yeah. together, right? Yeah. So he uh, goes back to his childhood home and notices that there happens to be a convenience store there. An Ultimart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ultimart. It's so funny because he's so dismayed by the whole thing that this poor clueless clerk yeah. sitting there is just like, what are you doing here? How long have you worked here? Do you have a manager? Where do you live? Where does your manager live? All right. What's done is done. <laughs> like it just <laughs> kind of like in that you go through the seven stages of acceptance and grief and just, you know, in about four seconds. Yeah. Uh, through a series of very short questions. But true. I mean, he's just, he sort of, and then of course he has to call his, his therapist. Oh yeah. Calls him up and then he's like, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's not true what they say. You can always go home because my home is now an Altamart. Yeah. And he just starts freaking out. Uh, you can never go home again, but I guess you can shop there. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty hot line. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, but he also has to track down, like, where the fuck is his mom? Yeah. So he calls Marcella and Marcella's able to track her down. That's right. Yeah. Um, just outside the convenience store, I think he did, this is one of the first times he notices the FBI, I think. Uh, the yeah. car kind of goes by. He is definitely aware uh, pretty early on that he's yeah. being tailed, but he's not doing anything about it. Nah. But he, later he will certainly ask questions of Marcella, like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, uh, so he, does he decide to go see to Debbie first? No, nope, oh, straight to see Debbie. Yeah. Okay. So he goes to see his mom, who's in a, like an assisted living home. Yep. And um, uh, she's there. Uh, he meets up with her, but she doesn't entirely recognize him or doesn't recognize like what year it is and and kind of things because she she talks to him like uh, as if they were still living at home kind of thing. Yep. And uh, and it's clear that uh, she sold the house to the Ultimart. Yeah. Uh, and what did she do with all the money? So she's bipolar. Yeah. Uh, and he asked that question, right? Yeah. He's like, uh, "What happened? To all the money I sent." Uh, and she's like, "Oh, someone stole it." Like oh, I yeah. think that she just probably lost it. Yeah. And you know, he just. Like, this is tough, right? Like, yeah. I think his dad has is obviously out of the picture because, you know, the scene right after this, he goes to the graveyard and oh, know, yeah. drop, spills some scotch. for Just spills know. all the scotch. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a drinker, which is interesting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I mean, and then there's even a point where she kind of, like, flirts with him a little bit. Yeah, Because she doesn't recognize him. Yeah. This would be very unsettling. So I can see why he probably, you know... Got the fuck out of there. Oh, and there's a, there's a line, um, oh, you're a handsome devil. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That um, he brings up a few times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he does use that later. Yeah. Uh, and I think, again, it's probably because it probably unsettled him. Yeah, I would think so. For sure. Uh, so he leaves that, um, and he decides to go uh, visit Debbie. Yep. Yep. Now it's time. Now it's time. So she's in the middle of her show, and uh, he wanders up, and he just enters the booth. Straight in. And uh, she's totally flabbergasted. 
and uh, there's a massive awkward kind of yep. back and forth a she's little like, bit. Yeah, she's like, I thought you were dead. Hi, yeah. shake my hand. And then they kiss. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, hey, how are you? How long has it been uh, since you stood me up on prom night? Oh, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> they do. They have this like really, you know, but but it's fun. Like it's got yeah. a neat pace to it. I think yeah. the writing is really strong in this. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, you mean obviously a bit unnatural, but yeah. um, I do. I really like kind of where they get to really, really quickly. I think they would have been one of those unicorn couples yeah. that probably was always really meant to be together. Like, yeah. They just had that tone and that tenor and that ability to kind of like you know, bounce off of each other. It's it's fun to watch. It is. It's so fun to watch. Um, but um, so he, he, it gets really awkward. So then he turns around and goes to leave. Yep. And she starts talking about him on the radio. Yep. And, uh, and just talking about how he left him, uh, left her yep. and stuff like that. This is also the first time that he does admit to being a professional killer. She's like, what's your business? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, professional killer. And she's like, oh, you get dental with that? Uh, and he, <laughs> again, he, he never really lies about it, but no. no one calls him out. And I think they just think because he's got this sarcastic wit about him that he's just saying something to deflect. Uh, and I think he very desperately wants to, like, tell someone. Yes. Like, I think what he, he's, again, he's so compartmentalized and so lonely. Yeah. His only confidant, real confidant in life. He can't talk to his mom, can't talk to his dad. Yeah. Uh, it's got Marcella, but Marcella's yeah. like, you know, she's also embroiled in the business. Like, it's not a, she can't be objective. Um, so I think for him, again, he's just, he's really reaching out. This is, again, the appeal of coming back to the family reunion is maybe he can reconnect with someone in some way, shape, or form, and Debbie being that one perfect yeah. person. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So he, he does, he, he attempts a number of times. Like he tries to sit and talk to her, but he's got his back to the door mm-hmm. and he can't have that. Yeah. Uh, so he comes back in and uh, <laughs> yeah. she she puts him on air. Yep. Starts to uh, like grill him for some questions. She's like, I should be mad. Is yeah. this awakened feelings? Uh, I'm saying cryptic things. I'm, is this, what is this feeling? Is this, is this something? Is this hunger? Like she's just yeah. like, doesn't know what to do with herself. So you're right. He <laughs> comes in, sits. Yeah. And, and she makes him talk it out. And it's like, um... You know, where have you been? What happened? Like, almost immediately, I think he tries to tackle it in some way, but doesn't really have a firm grasp on it. And he he takes a little bit of accountability on this. He's like, he said it was my therapist's idea to come here. Yeah. And this is the first time he says, this isn't me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure what he's hoping to get in this exchange. Like, what do you think the reason he came into the radio station was? Like, obviously to talk to her. Yeah. He could have waited, right? Yeah. Like, he also put himself in a very public position. Yeah. Where this could have gone this direction. So what was his plan? Yeah. I, well, I think, um, I don't know. I, I think this was a lack of plan. Like he's very methodical in everything he does, except this. Mm-hmm. So he's he's absolutely running without uh, any instructions. Yep. And so um, he doesn't know what to do. And, uh, uh, and, and and like you said, like this is one connection. This is the, the one thing in his life that he truly regrets. Right. Not the people he killed. Nope. You know, <laughs> you know. He does describe quite often how you know he fits a certain profile. So yeah, <clears throat> it's definitely not the fact that he like has any regret. Yeah, and and he validates this many times by saying, you know what, if I show up at your door, there's yeah. probably a reason I came. Yeah, and he's probably had this rationalization, you know, yeah. before he actually took on any of this work. Like, oh yeah, someone's explained to it, like a handler, like, hey, look, this is how you can kind of figure it out. And he talks yeah. about the various reasons why people go into this line of business. Like, you know, for some people it's like king and country or whatever else. Yeah. For him, it's just like, Hey, look, um, you're a bad person. You deserve to die. Or exactly. no one would have hired me to kill you. Yeah. And, and plus that he was really good at it. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, um, yeah, he talks about how, uh, he ran away that night, uh, and joined the army. Yep. And then, um, through the army, they recognized that he had like, uh, certain skills. Yep. 
And uh, so he he became kind of like a company man. Yep. For a bit, and then just and then eventually became a freelancer. Yep. Kind of thing. And she doesn't believe a word of it. Nope. And so she's um yeah she she's basically um puts it out to the uh, the 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 audience like um what do you think I should do here audience yep. kind of thing and some people are calling in like well, guys like make them suffer yeah. like, yeah. and the CIA guys call in too oh yeah They're like oh hey tough guy yeah we like tough guys like you like it's again I think they're sort of goading him a little bit yeah or, yeah yeah anyway eventually he gets tired of all of this and he like he can't really handle it and he gets a little awkward he just makes his way out. Yeah. Uh, takes off, starts walking down the street. But uh, And then, of course, you see Clayface. Oh, yeah. Uh, you see this one <laughs> weird dude who's got like Clayface. a strange, odd gait. Like, well, if, yeah. if you didn't know that there was something off about this guy, like your instincts as an assassin are not working. Like, yeah. you, you would have been dead day two because oh, like, yeah. Clayface would have just popped in the back of the head. Oh, yeah. He's anyway, a full-on assassin. Yeah. They have like a bad guy in okay. the worst way. No kidding. Howdy, y'all. I'll take a seven and seven, y'all. Like, you're just not, not supposed to be there. But anyway, no. as he kind of notices him, but he keeps on moving. Yeah. Uh, but he does run into someone else. Yeah, he runs into Jeremy Priven. Yes. His buddy. Yep. This is His name is Paul. Paul. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell, like, for sure, they have rapport almost immediately. He's just yeah. like, he's a funny guy, and he's like, oh, you know, it, it, and again, I don't think that he was counting on this connection at all. Yes. It was a really nice bonus for him, I think, because yeah. uh, he's always feeling, already feeling a little bit kind of put off by Debbie. Like, this didn't really work out the way I think he would have wanted it to be for that initial. Yeah. But now he's, at least he's got like a confidant. He's someone he can kind of bounce things off of and someone who knows him, right? And, and yeah. also their previous relationship. So anyway, turns out Paul is a real estate agent. Yeah. Uh, Paul's like, hey, look, you know what? I got to go close this deal at a house. So I'm going to come with me. We'll go finish this off. We'll, you know, wrap up the deal and we'll get the hell out of here. Yeah. So he takes him back to this house and he's shown around this couple. Yep. And, uh, you know, Martin's just hanging out in the lawn. And eventually the couple comes out and uh, <laughs> they're just, uh, they come in to meet him and uh, he, he offers his like two cents yeah. and just totally destroys the deal. Kind of blows it. Yeah. It's, just, it's kind of weird and goony and they're just like, oh, okay, yeah. thanks. Fine. That's it. And then this uh, Rent-A-Cop shows up. Rent-A-Cop. Terrence Rostan, another guy that they actually graduated with. Yeah. And he's like, hey, can I ask you a couple of professional questions? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. What, what's up? Like, when can you use lethal force? And he's like, oh, I, I have the authority to shoot. Uh, and, and how did you get the gig? Well, you know. They were hiring. They were hiring. And uh, it's only a two-week course. Two-week course. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah, Piven kind of, like, tries to chase after the couple, but, you know what, they're done. Yeah. And then he kind of chews out Terry a little bit, but whatever. So uh, then, of course, as it turns out, Paul was the one who brokered the deal for the Ultimart to buy oh, Mark's yeah. house. Yeah. So there's that kind of awkwardness and stuff. But, you know, again, and this is fortuitous, he goes by Debbie's house. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, she kind of crept up on you, didn't it? And he's like, uh, no, it didn't. You, you, you literally drove us there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, and uh, then they sort of get to kind of a like little, little bit of a catch up mode with Paul. So it's like, yeah. you know, how's your family going? He's like, well, my parents are divorced. You know, uh, dad married some young lady, and <laughs> my mom's making ceramic biscuits. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then there's this realization. He's like, and and Piven just kind of leans into it, right? He's like, yeah. ten years. Yeah. Kind of has yeah. a bit of a freak out. And I think I don't know that I've got anyone that I would love to see so much that I haven't seen in 10 years that I would have that reaction for. Yeah. Like, I think that speaks a little bit to, like, maybe Martin didn't really appreciate his impact. Like, it didn't, yeah, I don't yeah. think he 
he may feel like he's more isolated than he is. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the program, like part of the CIA program to kind of make you into that model yeah. is really creating this isolation feel or really oh, sure. functioning on compartmentalizing. Because if you if yeah. you thought about the human connections you were missing, like your mom just completely collapsed and you did almost nothing other than throw her money to sustain her. Yeah. Like it's the it's the emotional part that she lost. Yeah. Same thing now with Debbie. Yeah. Same thing now with Paul. Yeah. Like even his teacher, like there could have been so many things that he could have done had he stayed and stayed connected to the community. He never really gets a chance to kind of suss that out, right? Yeah. He doesn't let anything, and you're right, affect him. And, and of course, that could be the training because it's, you know, at any point, people are going to deny that they sent you into this mission or things like that yep. because plausible deniability, whatever, right? Well, and if you have sympathy for your victim, you're yeah. not going to pull, you're not going to complete the mission. So that's it. Yeah. So yeah, it is interesting. And, and maybe that's why he's so quick with the dialogue and things like that is, is just simply because it's all surface. Yeah. You know, it, it's all like automatic yeah. in a way. It's also the second time that he admits to being a killer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He tells him and uh, Jeremy doesn't believe. Him. No, there. no. He's like, Hey, can you, how hard does it get that job? Like, what do you have to do to sign up? And he's like, well, you know, 10 years I worked for the government. I went to business for myself. Like yeah. it's it just, anyway, again, people are always like trying to think that he's telling a joke. Yeah. I never really took him too seriously. You're right. That's right. Um, so uh, he drops him back at his car, yep. uh, and, which is outside of uh, the radio station. Yep. And I think he sees Debbie again, and he uh, invites her up for a drink, I think. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. So first off, though, he, he does talk to Marcella, and then Marcella, you can. This is a kind of a fun little like, like uh, solo bit for Joan Kuzak, yeah. where she's talking to one of her contacts about the rounds of of uh, oh, weaponry, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, she's, oh, she's actually on two lines. So one of yeah. them, she's talking to a friend of hers about a recipe. Yeah. Uh, so they're having kind of a fun, like, oh, you know, girly girl, and she's it seems kind of goony when yeah. she's talking to Martin. But the minute she's talking to someone who has let her down or is not ob- meeting their obligations, boom, she goes like full honey badger. Oh, and yeah. And she's just kind of chewing this guy out and like, or or her, whoever it happens to be. Um, and just like really getting into it. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, oh, shit. Like, she is a, a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. Um, but ultimately, again, like, Martin has to go back to the Ultimart. Ultimart. Yes. Um, so he, he heads back over. Uh, and you can see Kark... <laughs> screeching out of the parking lot. <laughs> I mean, again, Martin's going back to the things he knows. Like he's yeah. trying to, he's trying to get some reconnection back to this, right? So he goes back to his home. Yeah. Uh, I don't know for like a microwave burrito or whatever. Yeah. And uh, suddenly like a car pulls up. Oh, that's right. You also see a scene where like the guy, the clerk he was talking to before he was kind of interrogating is like playing a video game. Yeah. He's got uh, his typical headphones on. Yeah, so he's he playing Doom. Yeah. He's playing Doom. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <coughs> Clayface shows up. Clayface shows up. Yep. And then it's just guns a blazing. Yeah. This is a super fun scene, actually. Oh, yeah. And <clears> then um, eventually Clayface makes his way out and, yep. and uh, runs away, yep. leaving Martin in the convenience store to look at a microwave that has like C4 in totally. the microwave. Yep. <laughs> and so um, he runs out. He grabs the clerk and uh, they dive out of the way as the Ultimart explodes. Yep. And poor cleric, he's like, oh, man, I got to find another job. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. the worker's like, what did you do that for? Because he thinks that he was oh, the one who yeah, actually yeah. blew up the store. Yeah. And again, Martin says, it it's not me. It's not me. Yeah. Oh. So it's just interesting. Like, there's these weird moments. And um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think very much you're supposed to get this idea that somehow he's like not, he's disconnected himself so he doesn't have that subjective view of things. It's, it's yeah. to be objective. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes. 
Uh, so when he calls Debbie and yes. he is like, um, turns out Debbie was married and got divorced. So this is when he goes to her house. So yes. this is, he goes and actually sees her now. Cause like, yeah, fuck his world is upside down. Yeah. So he goes to see her and, um, uh, which well, he goes up to her window. No, nope. Just knocks right at the front door. That's right. Yep. Uh, so he comes in and, and she invites him in and they have like some more kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, she, he gives her a plane ride. Uh, in this scene, I think. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, eventually she's like, okay, you can leave now. And uh, kind of dismisses him. And uh, But he he manages to convince her to go out for dinner. Right. Yeah. And then so, so you're asking me? Uh, and she's like, well, I'm not even planning on going. I mean, I just wanted to be mean about them on the radio. Yeah. Um, but I think she sort of says to him, like, hey, look, just showing up would be a huge step right now. So if yeah. you could do that, then yes, I'll do it. So yeah. uh, for sure. They, they agree to do it, uh, to come. And then, um, but they go to drinks first. No? Well, they go, they go out next. Yes. They yeah. do go for a drink. And yeah. so, uh, that one drunk girl oh, comes yeah. over and is like, Marvin, <laughs> like, uh, you're the coolest couple. Uh, and so they eventually find a way to get rid of her and stuff. And this is yeah. where Martin goes to the washroom at that place. That's right. And then the CIA, CIA guys are there. Yeah. Uh, with Grocer. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, he, uh, now he knows for sure. He makes that him He easy. definitely doesn't yeah. know that Grocer's there. Yeah. Grocer's being kind of a dick. I was like, why aren't you killing him? Like, kill yeah. him, kill him. They, they're like, well, we can't just kill him. We have to wait to catch him in an illegal act. Yeah. And when we do, then we can kill him. That's it. Uh, and they're like, oh, hey, he's coming back. And so Grocer <laughs> has to go hide back in the toilet. He's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Again, even Grocer being oh, a bit yeah. of a caricature in some ways. Yeah. Is actually quite sympathetic. He's pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. <clears throat> Um, so he drives her back. Yep. Um, I think he tries to kind of make some moves on her, but she's not having any of it. Yep. Uh, and kicks him out, but she does, uh, commit to, uh, coming with him to the, yep. Uh, to, to the reunion. Yep. So he goes back to his hotel, uh, hotel and kind of talks to Joan a bit more. Yep. And kind of goes through his, um, his weapons and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, I think it's the next day. I've always lost on the timeline here. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Just, just simply because I'm like, is this the same night? No. No, it's the next day. So anyway, day, he goes yeah. back to the hotel. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, um, he makes some arrangements uh, to finally take a look and like yeah. figure out what he's going to do about going with Debbie. He's got his uh, invitation and stuff that he brings, uh, leaves his invitation behind, and then makes his way up to go pick her up. That's right. Of course, what he does have to do, though, and this is, of course, super awkward, is... Talk to their dad. Yeah. Because the dad <laughs> was there the night that he didn't pick her up. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago on prom night. Yeah. And uh, so then, he, you know, she, Debbie starts like, okay, well, could you go talk to my dad? And, you know, the dad's like, so what have you been up to? Like, what do you, what do you sort of been yeah. going through? And he's like, I kind of figured you for the wandering aimless type and, you know, get nothing done. And he's like, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Went the other way. Uh, yeah. Mercenary cruelty, uh, six figures. Like, <laughs> lead, no, sorry, lead pipe cruelty. I'm like, oh shit, it's pretty good. I actually want to try to introduce some lead pipe cruelty into my life. Like, oh I yeah, what's what's that even going to look like from my end? But so um, good. But again, same thing. Yeah, everyone just sort of takes him at like, oh, okay, good. Well, like, yeah. what what did you end up doing? He's like, oh, a uh, professional killer. Yeah, it's like, oh, good growth industry. <laughs> uh, they have a drink and this, you know, kind of make their way. Yeah. So yeah, basically he um, 
uh, let's see, makes his way to the prom. To the prom, yeah. And they they meet up with uh, the the person, the reception person. (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember her name, but she says like a thousand times. Oh yeah. Uh, And uh, they get their name tags, and it's really awkward exchange, and they eventually go into the uh, gymnasium. Yep. And there, everybody's drinking and stuff like that, and they head right to the bar right away. Yep. And uh, start to get to know uh, a whole bunch of people. And there's this one drunk guy. Who's uh, <laughs> who, owns, who owns the dealership, the, the dealership. Caddy, or the BMW dealership? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's hilarious, but uh, he's like like alpha male yep. for, for most of it. And uh, he just starts to get to know like uh, past students and things like that. I think he meets, uh, oh geez, a ton of people. I'll, t- I'll tell you my favorite exchange in all of that. Yeah, was the one where he actually sits with the woman who brought oh, her, yeah. her child. Yeah, and there's just this really quiet calm moment like outside of all of the antics that are happening yeah where he just sort of makes contact yeah and i feel for him again because he's been so outside of his self like right he's not allowed to experience anything he's not allowed to experience emotion or empathy and this one sort of tiny connection i think completely seals the deal to not become an assassin anymore yeah that's the moment where he's like i need to find a path forward to be a human again yeah Anyway, I did really like it, but you're right. You yeah. have a montage of all these different like kind of high school tropes, yeah, uh, if you will. Uh, and in the back end, we didn't really talk about this, but <clears throat> Poo Poobel, La Poobel, yeah. uh, finds the invitation oh, to, yeah. get to go to the high school reunion. <laughs> <laughs> so just sort of finds a random name tag as he pulls yeah, up. Yeah. It is I, if... uh, Sarah Whittaker. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, uh, you sure changed. <laughs> It's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, so Poo Poo Bell is like hunting him down at the yeah. At the yeah reunion. Exactly. So Martin's relationship with Debbie is actually it's accelerating really nicely. Like she can yeah. see this human side to them. They dance. Yeah. Um they they smoke like a drug, like they have like a little bit of a doobie and stuff. Yeah. They actually have sex yeah. uh at the nursing station, which is oh, yeah. wonderful. <clears throat> All of my dreams come true. <laughs> uh but you know, I think that she's at the point now where she really that they're on the precipice of making this whole thing good again. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and she she witnesses him uh, with the 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 kind of the drunk yep. guy who's all coked up as well. Yeah, I, <laughs> so it's good. a great scene where he's like, oh my god, like he thinks that they're gonna fight. Like, yeah. And don't get me wrong, there's lots of guys like this in high school when I was there. Like the oh, some yeah. of the jock guys, and you know, it was always like, Jesus Christ, like just take it down Calm a level. Down. And yeah. then you know, suddenly like so he's kind of like all over. Uh, he's like. The joke that he makes when he first runs into him is like, yeah. "Do you even remember me?" And he's like, "I'm drawing a blank." Yeah, like it's, you know. And again, it's, there's this weird projected hostility, uh, and maybe that's because he might have been intimidated by Martin. Like if he yeah. was one of the smart kind of like witty people that people actually liked. Yeah. When you when you need your money or you need your intimidation to make people around you at least obey. Yeah. Or or have them in your sphere. Like that's not a great sustainable way to have relationships, right? Mm. So, you know, 10 years later, he's got all this thing built up into his head and, you know, they're about to go get into a fight and Martin's just like, do you actually feel like there's a thing between you and I? Yeah. And it just totally deflates him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he pulls out a poem. Yeah, I know. These are my words. (laughs) (laughs) He starts into it. Martin's like, this this is really long. Let's let's skip to the the kind of end. What's the end part? Yeah. What's that? What's the end part? Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. And just kind of like, in silence. (laughs) Inside. <laughs> awesome. Honestly, it's like, it's super funny. And I often wonder if that was right. Like, 
what if we had the poise when yeah. we were younger in those situations? Because I don't know, I had a bully. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, what if I had the poise in those moments to do something like that, like just yeah. to really try to connect with someone? I don't know that I was confident enough or self-assured. No. I don't know that I ever could have done that. Oh no, just to deflate that and manage that situation. And maybe it's because um, Martin could destroy this guy in eighteen different ways. Possibly that he was just like, I've I've already assessed the situation. I have yep. nothing to fear here. And and just absolutely diffused it in the most beautiful way, um, and uh, so so he goes off. He's he's meant to go meet up with. Um, well, he wanted to go back to his locker. That's right. He's gonna meet with her later, so he's gonna go to his locker. <coughs> so he uh, he wanders up and he uh, picks the lock yep. <laughs> in his locker yep. and uh, manages to find an old uh, doobie. Yep. Uh, and just just was there for nostalgia. Yep. But who showed up? Ah, La Poubelle. And he <laughs> jumps right at him. Oh, my God. It's a fun fight, too. Like, yeah, they're, they're going really at it. good. Um, you know, there's again, this is where we sort of talked before. Like, he actually has some good fighting moves. Like, yeah. you could tell he's he's been in a couple couple scraps. He knows, he knows how to handle himself. Yeah. And at the end, one of the sort of trope guys that he meets early in this whole thing gives him a pen. Yeah, yeah. Right? To be, he's like, oh, yeah, for our special clients, I, I save these. He's a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, and so he uses this, like, fancy pen to stab him right in the jugular. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lapu bell like dies like a dog. Uh, so <laughs> he's dead and like he's all bloody and he's covered yeah. in goo and he's thinking, oh shit, like what have I done? Like, and yeah. then of course who comes around the corner? Yeah, Minnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Debbie sees the whole thing. Yeah, and she loses it. She's just like, what the what? So um, you know, Martin has to run. Uh, Debbie like takes off. She gets the hell out of there. Yeah, and uh, Martin has to like. Uh, use Paul to help yeah. him wrap oh, yeah. up Lapu Bell in a homecoming banner. Yeah. Uh, and like find a way to dispose of him. So they chuck him in like the furnace. Yeah. At the school. Oh my God. And then they beat it. Yeah. Martin I, goes back to his hotel room. Yeah. And for Paul. Like that. I think that's the last time we see Paul. Uh, yes. And he is in therapy now. Yeah. Yeah. So again, yeah. For, and these are all people who know exactly what he does. Like he said yeah. what he does, but no one's taking him seriously. But now Paul 100% believes it. Yeah. Now Debbie 100% believes it. Yeah. Uh, because she confronts him in his hotel room and he sort of says like, hey, look, you see yeah. thing. I, I joined the army. I have a certain profile that yeah. indicates moral flexibility. Uh, and so, yeah, then, you know, he becomes an assassin and, and this is what he does. Yeah. Uh, and But he does say that he only accepts contracts on corrupt individuals. Like, yeah. I, which I don't know is necessarily true. I think when it comes to these sorts uh, of things, you probably, you, you get paid for what you get paid. But yeah. he does say a couple times, like, if I'm there, it's yeah. because he did something wrong. So maybe that's a stipulation he makes in his contracts. Yeah. And and maybe they explicit that so we, that we can relate to him a little more. Because if he was just like a random killer, yep. there's no way that we could connect with him as a protagonist. Yeah. I think, too, after he, he kills Clayface, yep. I think uh, he also um, says, it. this isn't me or... He does. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Yeah. So again, more than more than once, he has kind of come to this conclusion. Like, and maybe this is actually him kind of convincing himself or coming to terms to say, hey, look, well, this isn't me. Like before I think it was maybe an excuse. Yeah. Maybe now he actually has come to believe that that's true. Yeah. Like this isn't me. I can't do this anymore. Exactly. So because it's immediately after this that he decides, okay, that's it. I quit. I'm no longer going to be an assassin. Yeah. I'm out. And so he, he fires Dr. Oatman oh, yeah. over the phone, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah. Like, you can see like Oatman is in a session with someone else. He's smashing the phone because he doesn't 
want to have to hear this thing. And then finally, oh, also he gives Marcella a nice severance. He's like, hey, that's you know right. what? You know, there's some money under your desk. And she yeah. thinks, oh, shit, you're going to kill me. He's like, no, 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 nothing like that. You're amazing. And yeah. Well, she's going to burn the office because she knows. Yeah. <laughs> Dumping gasoline and smoking a cigarette. Waiting oh, my to God. That's good. Down. To, and, and sorry, there's a, there's a time. I think he goes to into the washroom to clean himself up. Yeah. And I think he looks in the mirror and he says that line, oh, you're a handsome devil. Right. Kind of thing. So, yeah. again, I, I think that was pretty profound on him because because what is a handsome devil is is like, you know, someone someone who's smiling that's just waiting for you to turn your back and they'll stab you maybe. Well, that's it. Or just that you're you're the 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 beautiful face of death or something, right? Yep. Which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, he's he's back in his hotel room. He yeah, let's um, uh, kind of severing his ties, but he knows he needs to do this job or that- he'll never. Be let alone. That's it. So finally yeah. he opens up yeah. the contract to see like what he's got to do just to get this over with. Yeah. And it's out. His last job. Well, who does it turn out to be? Uh, Debbie's dad. Yeah. 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 Bart. Bart. Uh, so yeah. he's supposed to testify in a, in a trial against the client. Yeah. So this is why he's been hired. So anyway, um, Grocer again decides he's going to take the job himself. Fuck oh, it. Yeah. He's not going to wait for Martin. <laughs> uh, he's going to take all of his jobs. And then, of course, he's going to kill, kill Martin too. Oh, he'll yeah. Just be done with everything. Is this the uh, diner? Shit, we haven't we talked about the, the diner. diner. Okay, well, oh my I, I forget God. where that part sits in it. But at any rate, yeah. before this all comes down, Grocer gives him one last chance yeah. to kind of join the union. And so there is a phenomenal exchange a little bit before oh the reunion where they, they kind of go back and forth. And it is like lovely because... It's all the, cordial at the beginning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of walk in and, you know, but they're both kind of eyeing each other up and they both sit down and... Uh, then, of course, this clueless waitress comes up and she's just like, okay, here's the specials for today. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. okay, this is what we're going to have. Blam, blam, blam. I'm avoiding this, but I don't want that. And they're yeah. just like, okay, well, I want a egg white omelet with nothing in it. And she's like, well, that's technically not an omelet. It's like, I just want what I want. I want the protein, okay? <laughs> like, they're so specific so about their idiosyncrasies. Funny. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. And then also, too, there's that whole thing about the drugs they take. Yes. Like, Martin's on a series of focused drugs himself. Yeah. But nowhere near, like, the new future stuff the grocer's on is like... <laughs> <laughs> this tastes like, like I don't know, Ativan or something. It's like, make that stuff feel like Ativan. Like, you're like falling asleep compared to this weird, like, neurotic stuff. Yeah. I'm doing it on the recommendation of my cardiologist, okay? Like, <laughs> there's no way a cardiologist is going to give you, like, some sort of third generation, like, space Russian upper, like, whatever. Anyway. It's so good. Yep. And then uh, it escalates. Kind of thing, and I think uh, just as the waitress is coming over, I think uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd says, "I'm gonna, what is it? I'm gonna shoot you in the head, and, and I was like, fuck the brain hole.' Yeah, it's called fuck your eyeball. Skull fuck your eyeball. <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> this poor waitress just like, uh But of oh course, like, they just kind of like, you know, they're both feigning like they've got guns, and that they're gonna make a move. And yeah, yeah anyway, grosser. It's so funny. Grosser takes off. So, so, so Martin feels like he's got to go save Debbie's father. Yeah, and so he shows up to the house. Um, knowing that he's probably just ahead of uh, the ne- the other assassins. Yep. Yeah. So Grocer's coming. Yeah. Guys, some thugs with him, and also the NSA guys are coming. Like, That's the right. CIA guys. So everyone's pouring in all at once. There's a huge like kind of like scene where like Martin. <laughs> First off, just barely prevents Grocer from killing Bart on the way up because you know oh, yeah. uh, Debbie's dad's going for a run. Yeah. Martin pulls in front in his like big you know Crown Royal. Crown Victoria, sorry. Yeah. Crown Royal uh, uh, Alcohol in Canada. Uh, <laughs> anyway, put, puts him in the car, drives him back to his place, and then kind of barricades him in, like gives yeah. him some weaponry and stuff, and they're hiding in the tub upstairs. And he's trying to have this like 
talk about like how he no longer wants to be an assassin and what he wants to do to change his life. And yeah, it's actually pretty funny. Like, I mean, it's really good. He's killing these guys like pretty effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, and then finally comes downstairs, uh, you know, sort of as the gun battle's going and he's taking out a couple other guys and finally comes up to Grocer. Yeah. And they're shooting at each other. And, you know, Grocer's always double guns. I don't know. It's kind of a signature move, I suppose. Yeah. But they both simultaneously run out of bullets. Yeah. And so. In the end, Martin's like, uh, hey, grocer, like, uh, could you lend me a couple bullets? He's like, yeah, sure thing, kid. Uh, you know, I'll charge you, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's, here's whatever I'm going to charge you the VIG for it. And he's like, yeah. okay, well, uh, spot me, like, this amount of money. He's like, yeah, no problem. And so grocer's coming over to try to finish Martin. Yeah. And Martin picks up a TV. Yeah. Uh, one of those big old tube TVs from the, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. This is an old one. Yeah. Anyway, and then smashes grocer over the head. But when he smashes him, what does he say? Popcorn. Popcorn. <laughs> It's such a nice wrap-up. Honestly. So good. I never caught that when I was a kid. I didn't no, no, put that no. together at all. And I'm like, honestly, like if that's what was supposed to be the sound of the head popping yeah. from being killed. Yeah. That was it. genius. Yeah. It's really good. It's a nice yeah. kind of clinch on all of it. Oh, yeah. The uh, NSA guys are dead. They, they, they got they, shot. They do get by killed grocer. by Grocer. <laughs> yeah. Well, Grocer and Martin, actually. Yeah, they right. both turn on them. Uh, wipe out the NSA guys or the CIA guys or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then anyway, um, basically... Uh, at the end, um, Martin goes back up, talks to Debbie. He's like, hey, I want to marry you. What do you think? Yeah. And, and she just can't even talk. And the dad sort of says, like, you got my blessing. <laughs> so she she comes to accept uh, what goes on here. And yep. so I think we cut to uh, his car with her stuff. Yep. They're driving away. And they're driving away and just trying to uh, reconcile and start a relationship. Yeah, and there's a bit of a pre-recorded message that like Debbie's giving for, on the radio station. You know, he's yeah. talking a bit about like history and love and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. uh, and basically, that's uh, kind of just leaves it on an optimistic note. Yeah, the map, the movie wraps up really nicely. Yep, and that's the movie. That's the movie. Someone set a fire in your car because it took too long, and I got bored. <laughs> Money, please. Well, Chris, we um. You know, we're we're getting back into this sporadically, yep. but getting back into <laughs> yep, this, and yep. uh, obviously, well, I gotta I gotta keep my beak wet. You know, I need some cash. Talk to me, baby. You know, so uh, I gotta work hard to get out there and find those businesses that are desperate enough to think that our influence will increase foot traffic. Suckers, I believe they're known <laughs> Yes. I mean, uh, shrewd, savvy investors. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And uh, luckily, I, I happen to um, land, convince, guilt a s- investor uh, to, um, to let us endorse them on our fine, fine podcast here. Excellent. Uh, this is an amazing uh, business. Food. You know, because I like, uh, I went somewhere, uh, obviously to Kuwait to try uh, different different food, different cuisine. Right. And so impressed. It's beautiful food there, fresh seafood and all that. Oh kind my of gosh, thing. this yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. And we actually, when we went to Dubai, uh, we had a night or, or like a day. <sighs> uh, <laughs> uh, we had this amazing Lebanese food. Right. But um, oh, there you go. Well, this yeah. is why I had Lebanese food the other day. Exactly. Oh, so, so I love great, great food. Uh, you know, it's it. I love exotic food, and I love food that's got a bit of spice to it. Right. And the company that I am endorsing today mm-hmm. is all about spice. Okay. Specifically, uh, curry spice. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, an amazing business called Runaway Curry. Runaway Jury. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Very good. Which another John Cusack film. Yes, no, I... <laughs> thank you. Thump, thump, thump. <laughs> Damn it. I'm dead to you. <coughs> Sorry, my man. So, that's okay. That's okay. 
Um, you know what? You need to get Rachel Wise, Wise up, and get some amazing curry spice in there. Thanks, Walking. You know, uh, you'll need to get some spice. Uh, you know, just just you know, dusting hot, dust off the uh, coat. <laughs> Oh and God, head there and prevent yourself from being a hack man uh, and get yourself some amazing delicious curry at runaway curry so that's my business not bad not bad i'm gonna go now no no really <laughs> you know uh st albert's kind of like um it's like in a bit of a bubble it is time capsule yeah it is it's not like other places right so where a lot of businesses have kind of gone under somehow some way st albert has managed to keep some of these special unique businesses alive and one of them is a video rental store oh yeah oh but this is a really unique one Ah. because it's almost like it's magic (laughs) in fact this place is called Bay anything, which means you can take a store that will take any movie and make it into a Michael Bay production. You can transform hers sweet romantic films like Say Anything into explosive riddled adrenaline blasts. You'll have so much shrapnel in your eyes, you won't be able to look away. You'll drop this place like a hot rock. Uh, you'll feel like the Americans during the attack on Pearl Harbor. And ultimately, you'll choose anything will simply feel like Armageddon to your senses. And then you just can't unsee it. <laughs> Bay anything. Try it today. Yeah. Or don't. No pain, no gain. That's it. <sighs> we love that. All right. So takeaways. Whew. Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of <laughs> parenting, <laughs> I mean, there's not one really great parent in the movie. No. So you think about uh, John Cusack's parents. So uh, they died. Well, the dad died. That's not yeah. his fault. The mom uh, was bipolar, so again, not really her fault. No. Uh, but the one thing I thought that was maybe interesting about her, and you actually touched on this really well, um, was the thing when she called him, you know, a handsome devil. Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes we can be pretty glib with our, like the way that we phrase things or the way that we say things to our children. Yeah. Um, yesterday in, in our province of Canada was family day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was interesting because I hadn't really put that much thought to the day. And then as the day started to progress, I'm like, you know what? This is actually like a day where you could start a lot of fun rituals. And I know like yeah. you guys went and did the Fire and Ice Festival, which is kind of a nice thing that we, we've done historically. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to kind of make this about like a day where we just sort of stay within our own little capsule and sort of did some fun stuff. So um, I took the girls skating. Ooh, um, we did nice. like, yeah, we went to the playground. We did some swings and stuff. And removing them from their home and removing them from like kind of their little worlds. Because right now, everything is like kind of tech and routine and people kind of do their things. But taking them out and spending those time with them and really kind of very carefully choosing my words. I was really mindful about how I was being encouraging and how I was thinking about things and how I was setting Ah, things up. And I'm like, huh. You know, again, just I love how you framed that today because I think the thing I'm taking away from it is, uh, and it's reinforced by yesterday, is like when you use your words carefully and really uh, thoughtfully, Mm Um, I think you can do a better job than when you're just in the moment yeah. or not being as deliberate with your thinking and your phrasing as you could be. So yeah. uh, my takeaway is, yeah, choose your words carefully with your kids because those kind of things can stick and you never know what's going to come back to haunt you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a really good takeaway. I think um, the big thing that stood out for me, again, not necessarily parenting, but just kind of a realization that I'd like to let the kids know is that 
school is extremely important. It's all encompassing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and your whole world is the people that you have at school, the people that you are in your lives right now. And it seems like anything that happens at high school, and like you said, you said like bullying and stuff like yeah. that, is that at the moment, you're like, this is the way it's always going to be. Yep. But it's not. And and it was neat them going back to the reunion and just seeing everyone there. And, and, and it's not that everyone was a mess. There was actually some, like that, uh, the one... Uh, um, Person with the with the baby, yeah, you know, she was like, you know what, I'm, she seems super yeah. together. She was like, I I love my life, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a cliche. I I really love where I am right now. And she didn't talk about, you know, being a used car salesman or moving properties and stuff like that. She was just talking about, you know what, I just I love where my life is, being a being a mom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that it it was enough. So I just want them to know that it is enough. It doesn't matter. You don't have to impress anyone. You don't have to be this thing. You, it, you can just be enough. And yeah. and that was really lovely to see her say that. And that's something I'd like to impart. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, uh, I completely agree with this. Like she was just sort of a, a calm in the storm. And I think if anything, it's probably the one thing out of high school that I wish I would have known would have been out there. Yeah. Like that, that potential. Um, great point. Very yeah. good. Thanks. Yeah, well, a couple of good points, you know, and this is a, this is a movie that was well worth it and, and well worth kind of dissection. And, and although it, a lot of it seemed kind of farcical, it was still like so well done. And mm-hmm. the, the like you mentioned, the dialogue, the everything was really good. And it gave us room to kind of get introspective with it and, yeah. and think about him. And so I think you did a good job of like really thinking about you know uh, what was driving him why he was unaffected by certain things yep. why he was affected by other things and there was a complexity to it and it it, it deserved an analysis in well, which thanks. you did quite well thank you you know and i think that's kind of a superpower of yours oh. is, is to analytically look at something and break it down into some cool pieces that are digestible and stuff like that and oh, so, gosh, so again, nice. i think, thank I think you. that's really good thanks. and um yeah i just i want to see if you can digest one more piece of information oh I, I, please share yeah well to do this we need something though oh uh okay sure anything i need you to go get your fucking shine box ah! <laughs> <laughs> This has been Get Your Shine Box with Chris Ham and Tristan Ham. Special thanks to Ross Smith for the intro and outro music. Extra special thanks to the Three Geeky Dads for just being awesome guys. Check out their podcast as well. And if you want to hear past episodes, go to wherever you consume podcasts, even Apple. Bye.